0: You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. This episode, we're going to take a closer look at Parks Canada, federal land manager with over 407,000 squared kilometers, or 157,000 square miles. But before we get to that, I want to recognize a few milestones that the podcast has recently achieved. Last week was officially one year since the launch of the podcast, and our very first episode came out on November 18th of 2016. And just a few days ago, the show has officially surpassed 1,000 subscribers, and I want to thank all of you for listening. And I especially want to thank everyone who has contributed, left reviews, or donated. Your support means everything. As always, I'm your host, Bren Hillier. And not only is this episode 29, but this is also season two of Frontlines. Before we get to my interview with Mark Schmidt, I'd like to announce the second recommendation for the Frontlines book club. This book was recommended by Bruce Alt from the Central Arkansas Trail Alliance. Who we heard from at the end of last episode. The book is the end of membership as we know it, building the fortune flipping must have association for the next century. And it's by Sarah L. Sladek. The book focuses on professional membership associations, but many of the lessons and highlights can be applied to a trail association as well. If you want to read the book and support the show at the same time, then visit the book club page at frontlinesmtb.com and click on the book to purchase it from Amazon. If you're looking for a gift for a fellow board member or perhaps something to read over the holidays, then I highly suggest it. And our very first episode of the new year will be on the topic of membership. My guest will be Tom Stusey executive director of the Vermont Mountain Bike Association, which is a statewide chapter organization in Vermont. And if you have a future recommendation for the book club, I want to hear it. Send me an email. Now this episode, I'm joined by Mark Schmidt. He's the visitor experience infrastructure advisor for trails at Parks Canada. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Brent.
0: Parks Canada has been around since uh, 1911, and obviously that's before mountain biking. But are, are you able to give us a, a brief history of mountain biking and and within Parks Canada and and how that all started and and how we kind of got to uh, today? You know, I, I know a lot of land managers. They they've created kind of policies, and then all of a sudden you introduce a new user group, and and those policies have to catch up. So I assume that Parks Canada kind of went through a similar process, but when did that happen and and how did that get to the point that Parks Canada is at today?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So bikes have actually been on trails at Parks Canada for, uh, I guess, as long as you could probably ride a bike, but it wasn't until about 1985 when um, Banff National Park started to, to recognize a considerable amount of bicycles using the trails. And um, so in 1985, a, a management directive was written that officially um, permitted backcountry trail bicycles to access trails um, in our national parks. And uh, that, that management directive is, is really what um, sort of shaped the future of mountain biking um, for Parks Canada. But in um, 2010, we decided that the 85 version of it was out of date. Uh, so back in, uh, August of 2010, we actually released a new mountain biking guideline. So we, we scrapped the word backcountry trail bicycling, uh, called it mountain biking. And, uh, we actually did, uh, what we refer to as an activity assessment process. Uh, so we, we actually went through a process of determining, um, you know, what is acceptable about mountain biking. We actually broke mountain biking down into uh, a variety of different disciplines of mountain biking, uh, like cross-country mountain biking uh downhill mountain biking um skills parks uh and what we called at the time free ride mountain biking we're now calling sort of technical trail riding um and we actually um approved all these different activities and uh, now we have a national document so a national guideline for mountain biking um and then we work with all the local sites to actually create the mountain bike opportunities if they want um, not not every parks canada site allows or has mountain biking but um for those sites that do want it and do encourage it, we've got a pretty good set of guidelines to allow for that.
0: And so what types of mountain bike experiences you kind of touched on a few, but, but within different parks, like uh, what are those different types of experiences? Like you said, skills parks, you mentioned cross country, uh, you mentioned kind of downhill, but you know, are we going from your basic kind of kids pump track all the way to, to like backcountry experiences as well?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I suppose the sky's the limit. Um, our, our activity guidelines actually outline the the different disciplines that we allow and where we allow them. Parks Canada's actually got a zoning process. We've got five different zones within Parks Canada, and uh, we basically broke down each of these zones um, by discipline. So, just as an example, you know, traditional cross-country mountain biking that's actually permitted in um, on, on in any one of our zones, including wilderness zones. Uh, providing there is a trail infrastructure to to use or to ride, um, and cross country riding, you know that ranges from our you know our, our our front country trails, or let's just say in in Banff National Park, we actually have a, a series of what we refer to as preferred use mountain bike trails on the Tunnel Mountain Bench. Uh, so trails like uh, Top Notch, uh, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, these are are very they're multi use trails that are open for hiking and for biking, but they are preferred use mountain bike trails. We also have uh pump tracks. Uh we just actually opened a, a brand new pump track up in uh in Fundy National Park in New Brunswick. Uh Fundy National Park is actually trying to get uh recognized as an as an Imba Canada ride destination. So they're actually they're building uh again preferred use mountain bike trails as some of the multi-use trails. Uh they're developing a little skills park, a pump track. Uh, They've invested quite a bit of money in actually developing a a mountain bike facility within the park, including things like a a, a new... In the parking lot, they've actually got those bike repair stands. They've got bike locks. They've got changing facilities and washrooms. um, So they're really trying to cater to the mountain biking. Um, We also have bike parks. And um, uh, Revelstoke National Park has actually got the... uh, um, as far as i'm aware the first ever kids learn to ride interpretive mountain bike park um, and, and by interpretive i mean um, you ride your bike or as kids ride their bikes or their their run bikes um, over top of the uh, um, like a teeter totter but the teeter totter is actually a large dragonfly and the wings are the actual pivot point so you know kids are learning how to ride bikes learning how to build skills and and, and technical ability at the same time they're actually learning about the park and about you know, the, the banana slugs that are in the park or what to do if you see a grizzly bear on a trail. So a uh, very cool um, opportunity there. And, and that's something we're, we're really pushing. The, the one discipline of mountain biking that we do not allow, or we do not offer, I should say, is downhill specific trails at our ski hills. So Parks Canada does have a few ski resorts within our boundaries and the um, Currently, we will not open those ski resorts or those ski hills up to purpose downhill destinations. That doesn't mean we don't have downhill trails. We do allow for the ability to, to drive your car to, um, you know, the top of the trail and then ride your bike down it. So I, I think for the most part, we, we, we pretty much, um, cover I'm not going to say all disciplines of mountain biking but uh, some of our sites like I mentioned Fundy National Park they are wanting to become a mountain bike destination and in order to do that they're trying to create diverse experiences for a wide range of, of, of mountain bikers and of cyclists. So uh, you know looking at family cycling as well gravel trails or paved trails um, all the way up to some of these preferred use uh, trails. So there's a, a trail called the Whitetail Trail which uh, has been rebuilt. And um, is an, an incredibly fun ride. Um, you can you can park at the Schenectady campground, which is actually on top of the escarpment, and you ride your bike all the way down to the uh, the headquarters area of the park. It's a it's a great experience in the park. We also do allow, and we do have some parks that allow that have trails with technical trail features on them. Uh, I mentioned in Banff already, uh, Bamp National Park. There's a, a trail called the Top Notch Trail um it's got a series of wooden turning platforms and uh you know little little wooden features to get you up and over some of the unique rock formations they've also incorporated a lot of natural enhanced technical features by going over rocks or, you know, building rock causeways to uh, to add some enjoyment to the ride. Another trail in Bant called Star Wars actually um, has some log rides in it. There's actually a wall ride. So, you know, depending on the location within a national park, we can offer a wide range of, of different activities. The the one type of mountain biking that we're really trying to, to create right now are those big backcountry adventures. So those alpine rides, those, you know, those sort of those iconic photos of, of Parks Canada mountain ranges. And we'd like to have a, you know, some places where you could actually experience those, those, ex- those opportunities on a mountain bike. Uh, one, one trail that's in, uh, Kalani National Park called the, uh, Cottonwood Trail. It's technically a hiking only trail. Um, at times of the year, though, they have provided permission to go mountain biking on it. And, and in total, it's about a 65 kilometer long ride with, uh, two, two per- pretty significant passes that you have to ride through. Uh, and we're also looking at a few other of our sites for some more of these, uh, you know, big, big alpine rides, um, which, uh, which is something I'm really excited about, something I'm really pushing for. Recently, we, we actually have introduced fat biking for winter riding. A lot of our sites do have winter offers. And, uh, we've noticed that in, um, you know, East Coast, um, and, and through central Canada as well, like Riding Mountain National Park has actually got a fantastic winter offer um, and the ability to ride. So we, we actually have a, a rental program now where you can rent a fat bike. You can try a fat bike out for free. You can rent it for the day. And, uh, we are purpose grooming trails for fat biking in the winter too.
0: That's awesome. You know, in, in the United States right now, we're, we're seeing kind of the, the wilderness topic become uh, very divisive. And you mentioned the, that Alpine riding. And, and so it sounds like this is the, the case, but, but you believe that there is a, a place for for still being able to protect alpine areas, but also allow mountain bike recreation within some of those alpine areas? We can do both. Totally we
1: can. I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I did spend a lot of time in the U.S. working working on mountain bike trails and, and know very close, very firsthand sort of the, some of the wilderness issues. And um, yeah, definitely. I think if, uh, if if we build our trails, if we design our trails and build our trails properly, um, and then we actually manage the activity. There's, there's definitely room for it. You know, there's, there's, there's concerns. Obviously, there's wildlife concerns. There's impacts if things aren't designed properly. But, you know, with every concern, there are solutions. And I think that there would be great opportunities and great solutions to, to allow for some of these experiences, especially these alpine experiences.
0: Parks Canada, you know, by the sounds of it, they're, they're really embracing mountain biking, but are you also keeping areas reserved for more primitive forms of, of travel as well?
1: Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, 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 definitely aren't opening every one of our trails to mountain biking, typically like this, this, this guideline and these activity assessment processes that we go through, um, uh, that's where we really determine where we want bikes and where, you know, some places we don't want bikes. Some places um, are, you know, they're they're meant sort of for more of the traditional types of activities for trail use, like hiking um, or horseback riding in the backcountry. And, you know, and that's just part of the, the, the trail planning process. When, when we go to a site and we start to look at their network of trails, we we really do a full analysis of who the users are, what the experiences that they're looking for, and where we can provide these experiences. And um, to be honest, some of our, our big backcountry stuff, um, the trails are are good, um, but they're not really meant for mountain biking. And and you know, a few people might get enjoyment out of it, but they're probably not the greatest adventure. Whereas we could probably build something or we've probably got other opportunities within that same park that would be a lot more enjoyable on a mountain bike. Like, you know, the, the whole idea of having to push your mountain bike up a, a completely, um, you know, a, a challenging steep hill going up a mountain. It might be fun once, but I think there are better opportunities and better trails for us to have mountain bikes in backcountry. Um, and you know, and like I'm a, I'm a backcountry user. I, I do a lot of backpacking. And, uh, you know, there are places where I am looking for that solitude and in and, uh, and remoteness. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we can really come up with a good system where we can have all experiences within within a site, within a Parks Canada site.
0: In addition, like are all wilderness areas within canadian parks are they open for for recreation and and, or are there some areas that are, are strictly kind of reserved as protected spaces like as a as a hiker can i go into any area within a park or do you actually protect some some spaces from people
1: yeah so um we like i mentioned we've got five different zones within our parks um, wilderness zone is actually our level two protection. Our, 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 highest level of protection is actually what we call special preservation. Special preservation or zone one is, is, is typically a place where we, we limit anybody. Um, you know, if there's a trail that's going through special preservation, we may attempt to relocate that trail to move it out of that zone. But, you know, if, if the trail exists and we can't move it and it's traditionally been a mountain bike hiking trail, then yes. You could potentially go through it. It's quite rare that we have anything within these special preservation zones. They're usually quite remote within a park, or if they're they're not remote, there's a you know there's something super special that's being protected, and uh, uh, you know people just respect that we have these special preservation zones. Uh, wilderness being our our second or zone two is our, our second highest level of protection, but we actually um, allow quite a few trails within our wilderness zone. So, so we have a, a, a classification system, um, our Parks Canada Trail Classification System, um, which is broken into two pieces. One piece of the classification system is, is our trail types and how we manage our trails. The second piece is, is our trail rating, so how we inform visitors about the um, experience they're going to have on the trail. But we actually have made um room for different types of trails within special different zones. So for instance, a type one trail, which is our most highly developed trail, um, you know, something that could be wider, it could be paved, it could be hard packed or surfaced, uh, will actually allow for those um within our natural environment zones, our outdoor recreation zones, or our park service zones. So our um, you know, park service is where we put roads, um, outdoor recreation as it sounds, you know, it's the place we, we, we allow people to recreate. Um, we do have some situations where we actually do have type one trails within a wilderness zone. Um, but those are pretty rare and those are under pretty special circumstances. Um, our type four trail, which is our, our most primitive trail, um, quite often a trail, a type four trail. Uh, would have very basic construction, if any construction at all, and those are the types of trails that we'll typically see within our special preservation or our wilderness
0: zones. So, to go back to those those five zones, um, what what would be the deciding factor between a, a zone four, a wilderness zone, and and that zone five?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, typically, the uh, the special preservation zones are areas that have been identified. Well, I mean, for special preservation, so um, you know, chances are it's something that is 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 incredibly significant, and um, um, you know, if if disturbed, so it could be uh, an endangered plant, let's say, um, or a, a type of a feature that we find in the landscape that can only happen in one location. So that's where we we. Provide this, this specific level of, of protection under the special preservation zone. Um, what normally sets those or what identifies those is we, we you know, at Parks Canada, we're, we're pretty lucky. Like, like I work for the visitor experience directorate within Parks Canada, but we also have a resource conservation directorate. And basically, uh, where I'm trying to create these incredible opportunities for visitors who come to our site. Uh, I I work, you know, fully integrated with our resource conservation um, team, and they're the ones who identify all these locations, these special preservation zones, and they're all identified within our, our park management plans, even before we can really sit down to do the significant planning or replanning of our trails and trail networks, uh, we consult with that management plan, and in that management plan is where those those special preservation zones are located. Some of our sites, like Wood Buffalo National Park, as an example, you know, it's it's an incredibly huge mm-hmm. national park. It's it's the size of Switzerland. It's, it's enormous. The majority of that park is special preservation. But if you actually go up to that area, the visitor experience, the place you actually visit within the park um is only a small fraction. But because the park is just so enormous, even that small fraction that you get to witness gives you a full example of what the park is all about. So the the idea behind special preservation is not necessarily to to block off a park from people. It's it's actually to protect these special places. And uh you know and, and we, we cater to all the other uses and visitors throughout our other zones. So typically these things like I said are 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 set aside because of something so significant that We just don't want people going there at
0: all. I think you've, you've mentioned all of them already, but just, just lay them out for us. What, what, what would be a zone one, a zone two and a zone three?
1: Sure. Yeah. Zone one, uh, which is our highest level of protection, that's special preservation. Gotcha.
0: Uh, zone two
1: is wilderness, and 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 when I talk about these zones, these are Parks Canada specific zones. These don't necessarily apply to uh, crown lands in Canada or provincial lands in Canada. This is federal parks land, which is a national park land. So zone one, special preservation. Uh, zone two is wilderness. Zone three is natural environment. Uh, zone four is outdoor recreation and zone five is is park service. Um, so, you know, in, in order, a uh, zone one, our highest level of protection, our absolute level of protection versus a zone five, which is park service. So if you're driving down the Trans-Canada Highway through Banff National Park, you're in a zone five.
0: So roads, facilities, that type of thing. And then and then in your yeah, town sites and then in your zone four, that's where you're going to find your skills parks and, and ski resorts.
1: Yeah, definitely. We would find gills Park are founded within the the zone fours, um, zone ones, and zone fours.
0: So, what's new for for twenty eighteen? What kind of things can we expect?
1: So, moving into uh, twenty eighteen and even beyond that, there's actually a, a lot of pretty cool things happening. Uh, you know, I've already mentioned uh, Fundy National Park. Fundy's a kind of a, 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 a kind of a unique situation. It's um, it's it's a park that uh, it's obviously the highest tide. It's uh, it's it's spectacular park. But back in 2010 2011, we created a plan for the park, and uh, we determined that the park wanted to become this mountain bike destination, and uh, we we put together this sort of uh, this this rough idea of what we wanted the future to look like. And uh, you know, fortunately, in the last several years, Parks Canada has been been provided with some uh, some infrastructure funding for doing some repairs to a lot of our sites, and uh, through that funding, we've been able to uh, reinvest into some of the trails. So. I've mentioned already, I don't want to talk too much about funny. I don't want to talk, talk it up too much, but we, you know, the the new pump track that's just been opened, uh, the new, the new trails, the new multi-use trails the new purpose-built trails are fantastic. Uh, but that's just one great example, um, in PEI national park, uh, like who would have thought to go mountain biking in Prince Edward Island, but it's got some fantastic mountain biking and, uh, We just recently opened up an area there called Robinson's Island, which is a a a family mountain bike trail. It actually it's a five kilometer long trail with um, a series of optional technical trail features. But what's really cool about each of these features is, before you actually ride it, you are are basically forced to stop and there is a sign, and it's a teaching sign. So it actually tells you how to ride over a rock or how to ride down a long, like, log skinny. So uh, the whole purpose is that, you know, it, it's something that kids can get out and they can ride with their parents, and it tells you how to ride all these different features. So so we're, we're definitely doing a lot more of that kind of stuff. So, you know, the the bike park that we built in Revelstoke, it, it's more about just getting kids into mountain biking, learning about the parks that they're in, learning about the environment they're in, but doing so in a way that they are enjoying themselves and uh, as we move into the future you know we've got some fantastic new mountain bike opportunities which will be coming up uh, we've also got some great new proposed trails the pacific traverse trail uh, which is a new paved trail which will connect the town of tospino to the town of eucalypt on um on vancouver island i know it's not mountain biking but it's it's a pretty spectacular opportunity and one trail that we're currently in the works with um considering is the Icefields trail which will um, if completed, would actually join the town of Lake Louise to Jasper, um, and it'll be about a 250-kilometer-long cycling trail, which will, you know, propose to take a couple days, and it will allow you to ride a bike from campsite to campsite and, you know, take a couple days riding up the Icefields Parkway. So a lot of really neat new cycling opportunities that are coming out, and uh you know if i if i could look into the future i guess sort of some of the the programs that i would like to see is more youth development programs where we're currently looking at the uh the single track to success program which is the uh, uh, indigenous youth mountain bike program out of carcross yukon uh, we're looking at how we can sort of integrate some of those ideas into uh into the work we do to create more opportunities for mountain biking
0: how can people have a look at what's going on within Parks Canada? You've, uh, I assume, you've got a website, but is there any kind of um, interactive maps that people can look at?
1: Yes, we we do have the Parks Canada website, and you can actually go on onto our website right now, and you can download our mountain bike guidelines. It talks about the zones, it talks about where technical trail features can be located, and so you can you can download that right away. All of the resources, the trail building resources that we create, um, we just released our new trail principles, which is sort of our overarching document for um, understanding trails. We're working on a variety of other guidelines and standards. All, all of those are available. You can either, if you can't find them on our website, you can just email Parks Canada or you can email me um, at Parks Canada, and I'm happy to share that. So getting that information from, from us around how we manage things is quite easy. In terms of the, the actual interactive map, we're currently working on collecting all of our data for our trails. If you go to you know um, let's say Prince Albert National Parks website, you can actually look at the map that's there. It's not an interactive map, but it's something that we're working on and, uh, and something that we're hopefully going to get around to uh, to having released soon. Awesome.
0: I'll definitely include a, a link to some of those documents in the in the show notes and to the the website. Thanks so much for for taking the time to, to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Hey, no worries. Mark mentioned an interpretive skills park in the Mount Revelstoke National Park. I had a chance to sit in on the discussion with the park's creator, Susanna Ria Drydinger, while at the BC Mountain Biking Tourism Symposium this year. The following day, I drove by the Beaver Lodge Kids Bike Park and snapped some photos. Those photos are posted up on Trail Forks and there's a link to that in the show notes if you wanna have a look at it yourself. All I can say is this is the most amazing skills park I've ever seen and definitely will include further details in future episodes when we dive into the topic of skills parks more. In the show notes, I've also included links to the documents that Mark mentioned. We'll be taking a bit of a break from our discussion on wilderness and we'll be scratching the surface of another big topic and it's one that I plan to circle back on in the new year. My guest is going to be Drew Engelman. He's the sales and marketing manager for Yamaha Bicycles. And if you have questions, you'll need to get them in by December 1st. You can send me an email or audio file to frontlinesmtb at gmail.com. And you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at frontlinesmtb. As mentioned at the top of the show, you can support the podcast by purchasing the latest edition to the Frontlines Book Club, The End of Membership As We Know It. I've included a link to that page on frontlinesmtb.com in the show notes, and you can also find a link to support the show via PayPal. This show depends on financial support from you, the listeners. The show will always be free, but we do depend on those donations. Before we end the show, I want to speak about one last thing. Back in episode 23, I spoke with Steve Sheldon of the Tri-Cities Off-Road Cycling Association. The episode was part one on a series about the cycling industry, and it was titled, Has Media Gone Rogue? The question being asked was how can we stop mountain biking media from essentially shooting mountain biking and the work that we do as advocates in the foot with inappropriate articles, photos, and videos. I certainly didn't think that that episode would be the end of this discussion. And, and last week, Jay Darby of MTB Co. out in Kelowna sent me a link to a video on Vital Mountain Bike titled A Neighborhood Rut Track Session with Cam McCall, Kyle Jay, and Carson Storch. The video and article explicitly state that this time of the year is great for going to your local neighborhood suburban park and raking in a soft line to practice your drifts and corners. I've reached out to Vital, Trek, Lone Wolf Productions, and Cam McCall. The last two I haven't heard back from, and the conversation with Trek, and Vital more specifically, has essentially stopped. I know you as a volunteer are busy, But now that there's more than 1,000 of us, and as that number continues to grow each day, it's time to start letting the rest of the mountain biking world, mountain bike media, and the cycling industry understand that if they want trails, then those trails depend on our hard work. I've linked the video in the show notes. I want you to have a look at it. And if you're upset by what you see, I want you to send me an email stating why. I'm going to take all of those responses and send them to the groups that I mentioned earlier. As always, music is by Lee Rosevere and production notes by Jennifer Pride. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening and happy trails.